Good morning. It's good to see everyone here this morning. I'd like to welcome any visitors that we have. It's very good to have you here. We appreciate your attendance. I appreciate all those that have assisted today in the service. It's been, uh, it's been a wonderful service. I'm glad that we're all here today. The subject and title of this morning's sermon comes from Acts 22 and 16. The King James Version starts out this way, And now, why tarriest thou? If you have a desire to spend eternity in heaven, if you desire for Jesus to be your advocate, if you have a desire for heaven to be your final destination, there are specific commandments that you need to obey. And we're going to study some of those this morning. In Acts 22 and 16, the King James Version says, And now, why tarriest thou? The New King James Version says, And now, why are you waiting? The English Standard Version says, And now, why do you wait? The International Standard Version says, So now, what are you waiting for? In each of these translations, the Scripture is presenting to us a question. The exact same question. What are you waiting for? Why are you waiting? Why tarriest thou? And then verse 22 and 16 continues, saying, Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. This is the single most important decision of your life. And we make a lot of decisions. We make decisions all day, every day. You make decisions for yourself. You make decisions for your coworkers. You make decisions for your family. You make decisions that impact others. Matter of fact, when you think about it, your life is one decision after another, after another. Some of those have a big impact on your life and require a lot of attention, a lot of prayer, seeking a lot of guidance. Some are easy. Don't want cheese in my Whataburger or not. Some are easy decisions. Some decisions take a lot of time and preparation. What do I want to do when I grow up? Some of us are try, still trying to figure that out. When do I enter the workforce? Do I go to college? Do I enter the workforce right out of high school? When do I move out of my parents' home? Where am I going to go? How am I going to support myself? Some of these decisions take years to figure out. And then some decisions are just more important than others. Some decisions have a lasting impact on the rest of our lives. The decision of living a life with strong Christian values. The decision on who we're going to enter into relationships with and who we are going to ultimately marry. The decision and commitment to raising a Christian family. The decision and commitment to be a godly wife, mother, husband, and father. But the decision to be baptized for the remission of your sins remains the most important decision of your life. And still, there's a lot of people, some that are here today, that have not addressed that decision. And so I ask, what are you waiting for? Why tarriest thou? When we read... From the book of James, we learn that tomorrow is not promised to us. James 4 and 14 says, 
Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appears for a little while, a little time, and then it vanishes away. Life is so short. Even, and, and even for those that are fortunate to live a long and happy life, and by long I mean 70 or 80 or 90 years, they will still tell you that life is short. And it really is. As we get older and we look back at high school, that was decades ago. That was a long time ago. But we think about those key events, those choir events and marching band competitions and football playoff wins and all those awards and all those ceremonies. We all have these things, and it feels like yesterday, but it was 20 and 30 and 40 years ago. We remember back when we used to go to the ice cream parlor. We remember when a movie and a pickle cost a nickel. I hear that story from my mom all the time. And we use terms like back then, back in the good old days. My dad will look at me as I struggle trying to find enough time to raise a family, travel across the country for work maintain the house and property, prepare sermons, attend my children's activities, and then try to fit in a fishing trip every once in a while. And he says, just enjoy it. It will be done before you know it. And it's so difficult for us to understand that train of thought. As children, we're concerned, we're uh, consumed with school and related activities, and then that ends. As young adults, we're consumed with starting a family and a career, and then we progress into another stage of life. Then we move into raising a family and progressing through a career, and then that ends. And then we retire, and we're enjoying our grandchildren. And then we wake up one day, and our grandchildren are now having their own children. Life is so short. And if we're not careful, we lose track of some things that we need to be doing, especially in regards to our spirituality. We are going to be busy. No matter what stage of life that we're in, we're going to be busy. And then we think to ourselves, there's no way life could get any busier. I promise you it will. It will get busier. And as we learn in Isaiah 55, if you know there is something that must be done immediately, then we need to do it immediately. Isaiah 55 and 6 says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. There are some things that we need to do now, right now. There are some things that we don't need to wait on. So if you're waiting to address uh, spiritual matters, such as baptism, I'm going to ask you the question again. Why tarriest thou? What are you waiting for? Oftentimes I drive past an accident on the road or I hear some horrific story in the news and I think to myself, I wonder if they knew Jesus. The highway shut down. I know someone just died. Have they been baptized? And it's a scary thought to think that a friend or a family member could be in an accident or, or even worse, maybe something took their life and cut their life short all because of some accident. But then to wonder if they had been saved 
had they been baptized for the remission of their sins? Because at that point, it's too late. Accident or emergency situations, they occur all the time. So I ask, are you waiting for an emergency? If you've been putting off your salvation and living a life centered around you and not Jesus, then you are gambling with your soul. We've all heard the phrase, if you're looking for trouble, you're going to find trouble. It's not hard to find. And I think the same applies this morning. If you've been procrastinating with the decision to live a Christian life, if you've been putting off your salvation, if you are waiting for an emergency, then that emergency is going to happen. Because that's what emergencies do. They pop up when we least expect them. They come out of nowhere and we're completely blindsided by various difficulties. Sometimes those emergencies, they're short-lived and they only leave temporary scars. But sometimes they're much more serious. Sometimes they last a lifetime and they leave us impaired or with permanent memories. Sometimes those emergencies are so serious that they take a life, they take a family member's life, or they take our life. No one expects a tragic situation to occur at their movie theater, at their school, or restaurant, or concert. We just don't expect it to happen. The runners and onlookers at the Boston Marathon in 2013 did not expect an emergency that day. They trained for their marathon, and they went through months of qualifying for this event, and they had their friends and their family. They had all these onlookers there to support them. They did not expect an emergency that day. The residents and workers in the city of West did not expect an emergency that day. They went to their jobs and their schools and their restaurants, and they carried on just like they do every day. They enjoyed their small, peaceful town and would not have expected an accident to occur that killed or injured over 10% of their population. No one expects that tornado or that hurricane to impact their family. But it happens. Weather-related events occur across the state all year long. And we all know someone who has been impacted by a weather event. But you know, if that unexpected emergency, if that happens to you or your family, the most comforting thing, the most comforting feeling that you can have during that time of difficulty is that you are secure in your salvation. We read a very comforting message in Joshua 1 and 9. This is one of my favorite scriptures. Joshua 1 and 9 says, Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. We're taught in Joshua that we should not be afraid, for the Lord is with us. We often hear from those who have a, who've had loved ones that are going through an illness or maybe that have recently passed. And they will say about that loved one, and they'll say it with a sense of relief, they aren't suffering any longer, and they've went home to be with the Lord. Many of you have probably said that at some point. I know you've heard it. And we should find great comfort in that. Make sure you can say that about yourself. Make sure that your family can say that about you someday. Make sure that if that emergency happens, that you will have comfort knowing that you are secure in your salvation. 
The Lord made us free-thinking people. He gave us brains. He gave us organs. He gave us a heartbeat. He gave us the ability to make decisions, to do something or not do something, to be baptized or not be baptized. This means that we must choose whether or not we're going to obey his gospel. That's the decision that you have to make. We must choose whether we are going to repent of our past sins, confess his name, and be baptized. The Lord desires for you to be saved, so I have to ask, why tarriest thou? We read in 2 Corinthians 6, the first two verses, they read, We then, as workers together with him, also plead with you, not to receive the grace of God in vain, for he says, In an acceptable time I have heard you, and in the day of salvation I have helped you. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Paul's telling us, he's instructing us, he's warning us that Jesus Christ is coming, and he tells us, now is the time. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you reconcile with God. Today is the day that you secure your home in heaven. Have you ever found yourself saying, yeah, I'll do it. I'll get to it. Just not, not right now. Right now I'm a little too busy. Maybe you need to do the laundry. Okay, we're going to wait on that. Maybe you need to get the oil changed. Maybe you need a career change. Maybe you're unhappy. But yet you continue to say, I'll get to it. I'll get to it tomorrow. Yet there's no time on the clock called later. There's no time on the clock that's called later. The time we lose by putting something off, it cannot be regained. Nor is there a day labeled, to, labeled tomorrow on the calendar. So tomorrow never comes and you just don't get around to it. You're full of good intentions. But somehow it never happens. We learn in John 14 and 6... That Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Your salvation is not something that you put off. You ever had a door? You look at this door. You look at a door at your house. Hinge is a little bit loose. It sticks, it squeaks, and it's loose. And you look at it for day after day. You look at it for week after week. You look at it, and it's been a month, and it's been a year, and your spouse is still asking when you're going to go fix the door. One day, that door becomes a problem. Your salvation is not a squeaky door. Your salvation is not a check engine light. It's not something that you finally get around to addressing. Your salvation is not something that falls into the, well, I had good intentions category. If you haven't repented for your sins and you haven't been baptized, then heaven is not promised to you. If you were here this morning and you've been putting off your salvation, I think you fall into a couple of different categories. First, you may have questions because there's a few things that you just don't understand, and that's okay. If that's the case, it's time to start doing something about it, though. You start with the Bible. It's time that you started searching for answers. And if you need assistance and you don't know where to turn, then you can pick up a bulletin. 
There's plenty of men here at this congregation, but if you still don't know who to ask, you can look at the bulletin and look on the left-hand side, and there's a list of people that you can start with. Start with those folks. They can help organize a study to address your questions, but you need to act on your questions. And the second category that you may fall into is the one who believes with all their heart that, that Jesus is the Son of God. You are ready to repent of your sins and be baptized, but you haven't taken that step. If this is you and you've been putting off baptism, then why tarry us vow? As 2 Corinthians says, do it today, not tomorrow, not next week, not when you think it might be convenient, not when you're finally going to get around to it. Make today the day that you secure your salvation. You know, we do a lot to secure our future. When we think in terms of financial security, we have 401ks, we have IRAs, we have an abundance of other financial saving vehicles. We take investment courses and online tutorials to learn how to invest. We learn about budgeting and we learn about growing this nest egg that's going to last us the rest of our life. But what are you doing for your spiritual future? Because if you've been putting off baptism, then you've been ignoring your salvation and your future is not secure. It's important to understand that as a sinner, you are dead before God. We learn in Ephesians that we're dead in our trespasses and our sinful lives. Ephesians 2, starting in verse 4, But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. You recognize that you're a sinner and you no longer want to live that life. You recognize that Jesus is your Lord and Savior. The good news is that there's an answer. There are specific steps outlined in the Bible to resolve your sinful life and secure your foundation, your, your salvation. The first step is that you must hear the gospel. We learn in Romans 10 and 17 that our faith begins with us hearing the word of God. The second step is that you believe in Jesus Christ. You believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he is the way to eternal life. We're taught in John 3.16 that for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and whoever believes in him shall not perish and have, but have everlasting life. The next step is that you repent of your sins. Through your repentance you have a change of heart designed to live according to the Lord's commandments. Luke, uh, Luke 3, 13 and 3, I tell you nay, but except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. And then based on, on your belief, you confess your faith. You confess your faith in Jesus Christ. Romans 10, uh, verse 19 says that if you confess with your mouth that Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. And based on your confession, you are baptized into Christ. Based on your confession and desire to submit yourself to the Lord through baptism, your sins will be washed away and you will become a child of God. And Romans 6 and 4 says, Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, and just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. The good news is that Jesus has paved the way. He's paved the way for all of us. 
you don't have to wait any longer. I hope that you will truly consider these steps this morning. I want to spend the rest of our time this morning looking at a few biblical examples that address the importance of not procrastinating, not putting off your salvation. And we're going to start with looking at the story of Governor Felix. This story of Felix represents procrastination at its finest. And it's a sad story, but it's one that we need to know and it's one that we need to learn from. What you're going to learn from this story is that Felix lost out on a wonderful opportunity. He had it, he had it in his hand, and he let it slip away. In the 24th chapter of Acts, we find the Apostle Paul. He's a prisoner of the Romans, scheduled to appear before Governor Felix. Paul had been arrested in Jerusalem, and the crowds, they had begun to riot, and Paul, he was, of course, charged inaccurately. And as a result, he had been taken into, into custody. And now Felix... Like the Romans that, it's, that, that he served and many politicians of the day, he was very corrupt. During this account, Felix was married to Drusilla, who had been the wife of the king of Emesa. But Felix seduced her, and she ran off with Felix, and then they got married. And as we come towards the end of Acts 24, we see how Paul remains imprisoned, and he's bound as a prisoner, but Paul continues to preach to Felix and Drusilla. And we'll read in Acts 24, starting in verse 24. And after some days when Felix came with his wife, Drusilla, who was Jewish, he sent for Paul and heard him concerning the faith in Christ. Now as he reasoned about righteousness, self-control, and the judgment to come, Felix was afraid and answered, Go away for now. When I have a convenient time, I will call for you. Paul's message it had an effect on Felix. We see the verse says he was afraid. So we know that Paul was getting through to him and that he was taking this serious. Paul touched on several aspects of Christianity and he concluded with the judgment that is to come. There is coming a time when every life is going to be evaluated and we will find ourselves standing before God. Paul pointed out to Felix that God is aware of the heart, is aware of the hearts of men. And he does not merely read the outside, just as we read in Ecclesiastes 12. For God will bring every work into judgment, including every secret thing, whether good or evil. There's more to life than just our accomplishments our authority on this earth, or the wealth that we've been fortunate enough to earn and and hold on to. God is going to look deep into our hearts. Paul laid out uh, before Felix the fact that he was dealing with a God who reads the heart, and he knows of every thought and every secret. Felix had an opportunity at this point to change his life. He could have accepted Jesus as his Lord and Savior. He could have went to a nearby river and been baptized and washed away his sins. And as Paul presents Jesus Christ and Felix is presented with the questions such as, Why tarriest thou? Felix fails to respond. Felix finally responded to Paul, telling him to go away. And when he found the time, he would address his salvation then. We'll do it later.
And that's a shame. Because it feels like Felix was really close. He had a hunger for God. The, ver- the, the verses concluding this chapter talks about how he met with Paul often. He brought his wife to hear Paul and the message about Jesus. Brothers and sisters, that's what you do when you get interested in something. When we get excited, we keep going back. We keep going back. And we want to share that with someone. And who better to share it with than our spouse? So he's taking his spouse. He yearned for it. He wanted to make sure his wife had an opportunity to hear Jesus as well. But Felix had a problem with procrastination. Procrastination robbed this man the opportunity to inherit salvation. And like many people, Felix was afraid. Felix was saying that today is not good for me. I want to wait for a better day. But that day never came for Felix. And there is no account in the Bible that provides details on Felix ever obeying the gospel. Many have the same attitude as Felix. They understand that they should become Christians, but they've they've decided that they're going to wait for a more convenient time. This is a characteristic that a lot of folks have. They want to put off obeying the gospel because they're not ready to make that kind of commitment. They don't want... Uh, They don't want to know details. They just want to know that there's a God. They just want to think that there's a God and there's always going to be a place for them in heaven. But that simply is not the case. Mark 16 and 16 tells us, He who believes and is baptized will be saved. He who believes and is baptized will be saved. We all believe in heaven and, and we look forward to it and it's going to be a wonderful and glorious place You don't have to be like Felix. You don't have to procrastinate anymore. You can make today the day of salvation. So putting off your salvation, thinking that God is going to save everyone and we're going to have this great big reunion in heaven is completely misleading yourself. One thing that we as humans are great at and that's making excuses for ourselves. We're really good at that. Does anyone talk themselves into a bad idea? We think, maybe I shouldn't do this. We understand the potential issues. We, we can see a possible problem happening, and then we do it anyway. Does anyone do that, or is it just me? I do it. I can talk myself into anything. We are great persuaders of our own minds. Some will say, I will become a Christian when I get to college, or when I get a job, or when I get married, or when I get a new place, or when I'm out on my own. And the problem is that when you think this way, you're most likely going to change your mind again, and again, and again. Because you're going to continue to put it off. Procrastination was not the answer for Felix, and it's not the answer for us either. The second story I want to touch on this morning is the account of when Paul accepted Jesus as his Lord and was baptized. As you compare this story with the one about Felix, I think you're going to see a significant difference. The Apostle Paul hadn't always been a Christian. Matter of fact, he was far from it. 
He had violently persecuted Christians for years. And we read the things that Paul did in Acts 24, starting in verse 4. I persecuted this way to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women. As also the high priest bears me witness and all the counsel of the elders, from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to to Damascus to bring in chains, even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. Paul tells us that he persecuted Christians. He fought against God. We learn later in the chapter that he was responsible for beating Christians. He beat them and he would throw them into prisons. He goes on to explain how he was even responsible for the death of Christians who believed in Jesus. And so you think, how can a man who is responsible for all this harm and all this violence and all this persecution of Christians, how could he end up being the most influential apostle there was? Because although Paul was a sinner, when given the opportunity to change his life, he did not delay. When Paul was on his way to Damascus, God intervened, stopping him in his tracks and granting him repentance. Paul was blinded by a light and he fell to the ground and Paul calls out, Lord, is that you? What should I do? The Lord told Paul to continue to his journey to Damascus and, and then he would be told what to do. Still blinded by the light, Paul had to have assistance as he continued on. Upon meeting Ananias, Paul regained his vision. Ananias explained that God desires for you to be a Christian. He desires for you to follow him, to live a Christian life, and to serve him through spreading the gospel. And then Ananias, he asked Paul a question. Why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. And I ask you the same question this morning. Why tarriest thou? Ananias spoke to Paul with a sense of urgency. He didn't tell Paul to go think things over. He didn't say, go take a weekend on it. He didn't tell Paul to go sleep on it and come back tomorrow. He told Paul that now is the time of your salvation. Arise and be baptized. Paul acted on God's plan of salvation. Paul had had transgressed against God's law. Even to the extent of, of... to the extent of and being responsible for putting Christians to death, but a merciful God gave him the opportunity to put all of his sins behind him, leaving them behind and just washing them away. God will do the same for you. No matter what you've done in the past, God will wash your sins away. These emergencies that I discussed earlier, they're real. They're real. And it's going to happen to you someday, just like it's going to happen to me someday. I remember several years ago, I got a call in the middle of the night. It's not common for my phone to, re- to ring at 2 a.m. I, I, I couldn't even find my phone. I was looking everywhere. I, find, I get my phone, and I answer it, and I'm very disoriented, and I'm trying to wake up and comprehend what's going on. And once I finally woke up enough and, and I understood what the person was saying, the caller told me, that they were with emergency services and that my dad was being transported to a hospital in East Texas. Well, I knew my parents were at the lake, so I called my mom middle of the night. She answers, and she said, your dad's blood sugar has crashed, and I cannot wake him up. I threw on some clothes, and I called Brent as I was walking out the door, and he answered the phone, what's wrong? 
I pick him up and we go out there. And fortunately, everything turned out just fine. But my dad was minutes away from passing away that night because emergencies happen. But no situation was more scary than the night that Audrey was born. And what was supposed to be a joyful occasion started out with a lot of nervousness. Katrina had a difficult pregnancy and we ended up at the hospital with an unexpected emergency. And as we saw doctor after doctor after doctor and they described the problems and, and what's going on and how serious it was, I finally asked. I looked over and I said, Doctor, why can't you go deliver my daughter right now? Why do we have to wait for an emergency to occur? And she looked at me and she said, I agree. And they took, they took Katrina back immediately and Andrew was born an hour later. Emergencies happen all the time. We can't stop them. Just when we think something won't happen to us or that we have time, something does happen. And just like we learned in James, that time that we thought we have vanishes away. Don't get caught in an emergency. Don't put off changing your life. Matthew eleven twenty eight. it reads, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. We're about to sing an invitation song. And if you're tired of worrying about your salvation, you can take care of that today. If you've been putting off your salvation, then you can take care of that today. Acts 22 and 16 says, And now why tarriest thou? Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Make today the day of your salvation. If you'd like to be baptized this morning, or if you'd like the prayers of the church, we ask that you come and sit on the front row, and we'll be happy to assist you.